while one is customer facing publicly and one's customer facing, you know, privately in, in DMs and email. I think both are very similar in the sense that when you focus on community building and building just a fun environment for people that you start, this is sometimes the fruits of the labor. The organic approach is such a long game, right? It's the content pieces is, is just like, um, you know, traditional SEO, right? You're not doing it for that immediate benefit. It's such a long, long game, long play. Our focus was was content and community, but all of our content was long form content, right? It was 20 minute videos. It was a three part series that were all 30 minute videos on, on training on something or a deep product review, product testing. So on this episode, you're going to hear the story of Battlebox. They're a subscription business that have grown tremendously through YouTube and they actually have a Netflix show. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. And Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hey, 2Xers, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your host, Kune Campbell. The 2X e-commerce podcast is a show dedicated to digital commerce insights for retail and e-commerce teams. So each week on this podcast, we interview either a commerce expert, a founder at a digital native consumer brand, or a representative from a best-in-class commerce SaaS product. We give them a tight remit to give you ideas you could test right away on your brand so you can improve growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately your gross merchant value. We are here to help you sell more sustainably. We tell stories. You, you hear entrepreneur stories. Speaking of which, today's episode, what shall I say? Today's episode is an interview I had with John Roman. He is the CEO, co-founder, or is it, he's a co-founder of um, a subscription box business called The Battle Box, which has exited. I, we're, we're loving the interviews with ex-e-commerce founders, that are, you know, exiting. He's also like a co-founder of another brand that has not exited, I think, which is called um, Carnivore Brand, um, is it a Carnivore Club. So um, that's still going. He's still, you know, very much involved in in other aspects of, um, you know, of, of commerce. 
But what we talk about in this podcast, what we talk about in this particular episode is more about his story, you know, his backstory, um, how he started out BattleBox. So he didn't really start it out. He joined, he joined as an investor and then doubled down, um, you know, um, when he saw, you know, this brand um, was was doing, um, you know, 4 million in, in run rate. Now, let me tell you a bit about BattleBox. It's like a survival subscription, um, you know, based company. So what they do is they, 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 they bundle up, um, you know, survival gear it could be, you know, tactical and survival, you know, gear, and, um, they present it to, you know, um, their, 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 their audience or, or their, their customer base of, you know, um, survival, you know, an outdoor, um, you know, um, enthusiast, you know, and, um, they, they built a huge following. And I think, the takeaway from this one, um, which John wanted us to sort of um, sit with me, was the fact that they've used content to really drive the awareness of the brand, to really drive, you know, um, the exposure of the brand and to eventually, you know, drive the bottom line. And I'm not talking about content marketing, writing blog posts, you know, here and there. I'm talking about the use, the deliberate use of video. Um, he gave us like um, how tactics of how they they grew their their YouTube um, following to like five hundred new subscribers per day. Um, that one you have to listen to in this one, um, and how um, they use Netflix. Believe it or not, they actually got a Netflix show called Southern Survival, and what the impact of having a Netflix show for your e-commerce brand does to to the numbers to your numbers absolutely blew my 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 mind away um and then he just talked about um how they've blown up um their their youtube channels you know their their youtube um also on their youtube they have um they he, he tells us a story about how they 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 actually got their face of the brand. So none of the founders actually run their YouTube channel despite their YouTube channel being over five hundred thousand subscribers, right? However, they have a face of the brand. They have an employee running their YouTube channel. And he, t- he, he teaches us exactly how they got the employee to, to run their YouTube channel. Because YouTube um, YouTube is a significant um, driver for e-commerce now. Think about, you know, Mr. Beast um, and, and, and KSI and John Logan and their ability to use their, 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 their YouTube fame to drive products, essentially. So having a YouTube channel, an active YouTube channel now um, in, in, in 2022, 2023 can significantly, significantly give you an edge above any other, um, you know, any other competition. So, so really, if there's just one one reason to listen to this episode, it's, it's just that YouTube strategy, that content first strategy and how that YouTube strategy evolved to their Netflix and what I've never had anybody who runs a Netflix show, who owns a Netflix show to actually come on the podcast and it happened. So this is a first. Just brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I felt like I was talking to a friend. John is just super, super 
um, you know, impressionable and receptive, you know, to to the questions, to sharing, you know, his knowledge. Um, and we ha- we had some some common, you know, some common friends. Um, he he does know, um, you know, a few people that that I know, which which was actually heartwarming too. Um, they sold at a six x a bitter. I'm not going to give you too much. You just got to listen to this show. So I will leave you to enjoy. Um, I'll I'll catch you on the other side. And yeah, um, I you you will enjoy this 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 particular episode because I enjoy this conversation for sure. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get going faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Non, and Chubbies. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Hey, John, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation, um, given all that you guys are doing at um, the Battle Box group and what what you've done. Um, I know this conversation is going to be super based on not just growth. Um, it's going to be based on M&A. It's going to be based on subscription commerce and um, under ton of stuff. So so welcome, a warm, warm welcome to, to the 2X e-commerce podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Let's let's go back, you know, way back. Um, let let's let's go back to to to, to who you are. Um, what was your childhood like? Um, how did that sort of um, you know, form your your mindset to business as you you know you grew older? And um, yeah, would love to to find out more who 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 John is. Sure. Um. So rather normal normal childhood. Um, going up until really the the first thing that was not normal was um so did school went went off to 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 university and um when I graduated I decided I wanted to play poker professionally um so this was this was around the time of uh the poker boom in the early 2000s where you saw poker on TV a good bit like that, you know, on ESPN. And and then it even went mainstream on some, some, some regular channels. So I wanted to do that. And I did that. I did it for uh, four and a half years is a very fun four and a half years went and played in um, uh, obviously a lot of tournaments in the States, but came to London to play in the inaugural world series of poker London. Um, went to uh, Australia for the Aussie Millions, which was an annual tournament. So we got some cool travel in, really enjoyed it. Uh, but finally, after, you know, reading all kinds of uh, books on psychology and poker gaming theory, um, I just couldn't get myself to the next level. And, um, you know, I, I compare it to you're looking at a, a an athlete that's playing on a sports team, right? Like you have to be that next level. You have to be an A plus player to make it to the the big leagues. And I just wasn't. Um, I was B plus, maybe at best, but you know, probably just to be a B player, which which is profitable. You can you know make make a living, earn your keep. But um, 
you know, I, I'd see across from me someone that was maybe my age now and that was still doing that. And I just didn't like what I saw. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want that. And I knew if I didn't figure it out to get myself to the next level, there just wasn't, wasn't a future from a career standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I uh, decided I'm going to get a, get a normal job like everybody else did when they got done with school. So uh, worked for a publicly traded company um, in sales, entry level sales job. So I was 26 at the time. And, uh, you know, every, all my peers at the, at the job were all four years younger than me because I chose to play poker for my first four years. And, uh, what I quickly found was, and I had, I had success almost instantaneously right away because the last four years prior, I'd put in 12, 13 hour days and the end result sometimes was I lost money. So, you know, if you knew anything about poker, it's, there's a large skill, skill set strategy part of it. But at the end of the day, a third of it is, is pure luck. How the cards fall, right? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's gambling, that portion. And, um, you know, if you can put in large amounts of volume, you can rid that mathematical, mathematical variance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a third of it's still luck. So you have to put a lot of volume into offset what's, that. What's remaining two thirds down to so in it, poker? It, it's 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 pure strategy, right? So there's it, it's it's positioning at the table, position where you are from the button, um, bet size. There's there's all these little variables, um, but at its core, it's it's the cards you're dealt and the the mathematical decision based on the cards you're dealt. And where you're at in position of the table, what you do with that hand, whether you fold, raise it, call, um, it's, it's, it's broken down. Like it's literally, there's a, the mathematical right move to do for every single hand based on where you are. And so the, the button moves, which means the blinds move, which means the, who's able to act first versus last moves along with the table. So based on your cards, um, there's obviously much more of a advantage being the last one to make action bet. Um, Should entrepreneurs play poker? I don't play poker anymore. Um, Interesting. You know, it's, I I think the strategy, um, the, the, I, I got really deep into the, into the mathematics of it, right? Mm. And, uh, I, I think there's value there, but I think the biggest takeaway, or at least why I think it it shaped who I was, is is because I'd put in those 12, 13 hour days mm-hmm. and was pure grinding this and sometimes longer days and I could still lose money. And then I jump into this world that everyone else is in with a sales job and I'm putting 12, 13 hours in and I can't lose. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not losing, right? Like I might not get as many sales as I wanted, but I don't go in the wrong direction at any point. Mm -hmm. And no one else was putting in 12, 13 hours, right? And I quickly found out, this is great. I can put the same grind mentality and I'm just going to start outperforming everybody. And and, and that's what happened. I was very fortunate and I continued to work hard and I quickly, you know, rose up the ranks, I think, we had 700 sales reps and I was, you know, the number one sales rep. 
moved into like a assistant sales manager role for uh, probably nine months to a year and then moved into a sales manager and then a sales director. And then after um, five and a half years, I decided I'm going to see if the grass is greener somewhere and went and for the next two jobs, I was building um, sales organizations. So for the first one, they had an indirect sales team, Mm -hmm. but they had zero direct sales. So I came on to build their direct sales team. And then with the venture after that, they had a sales team, but it was focused on smaller SMB, small to medium sized businesses. And they wanted a a focus on on enterprise sales. So I came on to do that. Um, Along the way, I was started trying to invest in in companies. I I loved what I was doing, but I was putting in this grind still every day and I I wanted something of of my own, right? I wanted to reap the rewards I was seeing all this this money I was generating and I was paid well, but I saw what I was building, right? I was building these millions and millions of dollar sales units and um I wanted to figure something out. So I started investing in um, companies that that crossed my desk via networks with most, mostly people that I knew, right? Either I went to school with or I had met at a networking event and um, started doing that. And, you know, if I look back now, uh, all but one of them failed. The one that didn't fail was Battlebox. So I, I have a Christmas party every year and... Um, you know, I'm, I invite all all people from all my different friend circles. And, you know, as you get older in life, you have these different friend circles from these different times of your life. And this was great because it allowed me to, you know, get everybody in a one room. And a gentleman named Daniel, who I went to school with, he came up, he was running a, um, uh, a print house, if you will. Um, it was called Varsity Inc. And they printed uh, t-shirts and hats and swag for uh, all the organizations that might be at a university. So they had two locations, both outside of universities and, you know, fraternities, sororities, um, nonprofits, any any kind of organization that would be at the school, they would go to them to get, you know, the t-shirts and the hats. So this was December, very slow time for them him and I were, were were spitballing about some ideas that he was thinking. And, you know, we were like, hey, well, let's figure out a way to work together. What does this look like? We're not sure. Um, you know, fast forward two months later, and he comes up with the idea of Battlebox. And I heard about it and said, hey, I'm, I'm in. So, um, you know, I, after a quick negotiation, I was able to um, buy a piece of equity and offer limited limited time. I think the initial deal was five hours a week of just high level general business um, consulting, advisement. And, uh, you know, we were we were off to the races. The five hours quickly turned into 10, quickly turned into 15, quickly turned into, I was working as, as much on battle box as I was my day job, which is a problem because I was used to putting in these grind sessions for my, my career, my day job. And there wasn't enough time in the day if I wanted to, you know, sleep too. So finally we hit a culmination in, uh, in early 2016, we were a a little bit over, a little bit over a year old. 
we had a run rate that was eight figures at that point. So I said, hey, okay, I'm ready. So, so how many how many years in business? This is you, you just brush through that fairly quickly. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um I just want um listeners to 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 pay attention. How many years did did it take Battle Box while you're working passively? We're talking 10 hours a week to um to, to hit eight figures. That's over $10 million in revenue. Yeah, so so we launched in February 2015. Mm. Um in that first partial year we did we did four and a half million. Um and then okay. in and then Battlebox. Let's let's speak to Battlebox. Ba- Battlebox um is is a subscription based business that sells survival kits. Um why do you think it picked up in 2015 so well? I mean, not many businesses get into, you know, launch off the back of um the first year and and they're almost at, you know, um they're almost midpoint to to eight figures. So what do you think was, was their product market fit? Was was the market rowdy at the time? Um did you use Facebook advertising to reach your your customers? Was there content marketing fix? How did you blow up so quickly? Sure. Um some multitude of answers. One, um, early 2015 was the pinnacle of subscription boxes. Mm. Um, they were really, really buzzing around that time. Um, it, it was it was the cool new thing, right? Give give a company some money and they're going to send you a random mystery box. Like people were really digging it at the time. You you were seeing the rise of um, some of the then larger uh companies like Birchbox, which, which, you know, blew up to this billion dollar valuation. I think they, I think they had to file bankruptcy earlier this year, earlier this month, actually. Um, But you, you were seeing the rise of a lot of those. So a lot of buzz around that anyway, at that time. Um, And then Facebook was, Facebook was a different world than it is, it is today. We were able to acquire customers for, for $5 with an acquisition cost of $5 because that was just Facebook back then. Um, man, I wish, I wish I knew what I knew now, uh, because I would have any dollar of debt, anything I could have found screnched together, I would have put towards Facebook. We would have scaled, we would have scaled quicker, um, and, and bigger. And I, but I really think because of the subscription box space, how easy Facebook was at the time it allowed us to get a grasp and a, and a, a stranglehold on a, a big chunk of this, but it was also product, product market fit. So the reason Battlebox was even created is, is kind of a cool story. So Daniel was watching um, his fiance at the time get a, a Birchbox in the mail every month. So for those who know Birchbox, some bunch of samples, um, maybe some, some makeup, some eyeliner, some lipstick, um, maybe something to, you know, clean your face with at nighttime, just traditional, um, beauty products, uh, female centric beauty products. And he'd watch her every month, open the box. And like, there was this excitement, like this genuine, like excitement of what's in this month's box. And he had a feeling of like, I can see that. I can see the joy. Like I want that for myself. And he's an out out. He was an outdoorsman. Um, is an outdoorsman. So he went online to try to find a box for himself, mm-hmm. and there wasn't one. And quickly came up with the idea. Obviously, the website and the product is is vastly different than it was seven years ago. We've 
we've evolved several several times over but he wasn't alone like he couldn't find it because it didn't exist but there were other people looking for it that couldn't find it either mm-hmm. because it, it was it was a pure it was a pure product market fit need for sure um so i think those are the three three things right timing with subscription amazing uh facebook acquisition costs in 2015 and the fact that it was a product that didn't exist. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense now. So you joined in 2016. Um, mm-hmm. Business blew up in 2016. It was like 10 million in revenue, right? At about that time, more or yeah. more. Um, how did you sustain the success? It's it's one thing blowing up and riding a wave. It's another sort of, you know, just maintaining that. So, so 2016 revenues was 10 million. How did that sort of translate over the next five years? What was your revenue in 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, if you're privy to, to that data? Sure. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't easy. Um, we, when I came on, one of the, the first things we were all talking about was um, we were seeing a lot of success with with YouTube, mm-hmm. so we were sending about thirty boxes a month to to YouTube influencers, um, in addition to other channels. But YouTube, we were seeing just a lot of a lot of success, um, and and one of the the people we were seeing was this guy named Brandon Current. He um, was you know at the time we didn't realize that we were we had a pre purchase survey on on our uh which is so cringe to even say on our site um it's like uh why would why would we add that but we did data (laughs) yeah right (laughs) right um and and we had all the usual suspects right how'd you hear about us and we had a other button where you could type something in and we were seeing this guy um brandon curran people were writing his name in we look him up. He's on YouTube. He's doing battle box reviews. We can't find him on our, our Google sheet of people we sent out the boxes to. So we look him up and we find out he's actually a paying customer. And he's generating us all, all of these, these customers, but he's paying himself. You know, after a couple months of it, we're like, people are like loving this guy and loving the videos. And, you know, like they like him just as much as they like us, which is pretty cool. So we call him and we say, hey, you know, you don't have to pay anymore, Brandon. Like, we're going to keep sending you the box. You just keep doing you. Um, we appreciate everything you're doing. And then a few months went by and we were continuing to see this this trend. And then we saw that his his YouTube following was starting to grow. And and he was he was he was gaining popularity as well at the same time we were. So we reached out again and we said, hey, we know we were giving the box for free, but here's a check for $500 every month. Like, please, like, you just need to keep doing this, this video. Like, this is like paramount to was, us. Was and he promoting other, other survival kits or was it predominantly bountiful? No. So he did a couple other reviews of some stuff, but the the one constant on his channel was the monthly review of Battle Box. Okay, so it was like a reveal. Um, it was a it was an unboxing, an exclusive unboxing for Battle Box without, without um, yeah. okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. And and he'd go, you know, it was a, it's long form. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people could get through the box and talk about it in two minutes. It was a 25, 30 minute video. Mm-hmm. He was explaining the products, why he liked them, why he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was added value and people would start 
when when they would get their box, first thing they did, they'd open it up and then they'd open up YouTube and watch him talk yeah, about it. Yeah. So um, it, was, it was like a he was like a virtual salesperson for you, but you wouldn't even see he was unbiased in, in that way. He'll tell you the good, bad, and ugly in every package. And that's yeah. the, and it was at scale on YouTube and the algorithms picked up on that, that he was building a, a following and they poured more fuel to to his reach, right? Exactly. Mm. And um so, you know, we were writing the check for $500 and the next conversation was, hey, man, we know you have a, you know, he was, a, uh, he was in the HVAC industry. So this, this video, these videos um, and his YouTube channel was kind of his, his, his side hustle was at nighttime work when he got done with, with what he was doing as a career. And we say, hey, this is, you know, this is kind of crazy, but do you just want to like put that and just do these videos full time? Like, because we think that would be pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, that would be like a dream job, literally. Um, let me, you know, talk to the wife and the, the kids first and s- see about moving from North Carolina down to Georgia. But, um, you know, we we put an offer together that he felt was 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 good and, and justified it. So, so, so he, he moved, came on. He moved. Where, where did he move so, from? So he was in North Carolina okay. um, and, and moved down to Georgia. Wow. Uh, Good, good yeah, weather, so, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but still, you were, to, to your point, it was he moved, right? Yeah. He moved his family. His, his yeah. kids were in were in school. Like yeah. this was a, a a big decision. Yeah. Um, but you know, as soon as Brandon came on full time, the conversation was like, let's start popping out more content. Mm. Like, like people, we okay, we know people love you. People, we know people love our products. Like let's leverage this. Let's, let's start growing this, this content piece. And, and that was a big, a a big part of it. Um, so on the, you know, something that naturally comes with content is, is community. So at at the time we had this, uh, battle, it was called battleboxforum.com. It was almost like a Reddit style, uh, board where you could, um, you know, just chat about anything. And some of it was, battle box related. Some of it was just maybe, maybe, you know, someone's going camping Mm -hmm. in California and wants to know like some tips for the park they're going in. So it was a lot of like-minded individuals, people that love to go outdoors. Uh, And we saw this community building and, and really at that point we were like, okay, this is great. Like um, this community piece is something special. And, and so we, 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 you know, really, really focused on, on trying to grow that. Um, eventually it came, we, we took it off of the forum Reddit style bulletin board. We moved it to a Facebook group, uh, Facebook private group. You have to be a active paying subscriber to be in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's added value there. We do some giveaways. We will do Facebook lives to them. We'll um, share some insight into future products with them as well. We, ask them for like to to give us feedback like we have a google form google survey where they can give us product suggestions we're really really you know in touch with them and communicating with them daily and and the community was growing and the content was growing and and really those two together we realized how how important both of them were to the business mm-hmm. that you know without that we're just sending out survival products, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's just not not as cool, not as exciting. That, that, that community and content piece is the soul of the business. People connect to, and 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 then the transactions are, are kind of like an you know, um, they're they're an after effect, not to diminish you know the the power of operations, you know, because you have to send them you know relevant items, but but that that content piece. Uh, from the sounds of things, is really, really important. Quick question around Brandon. You know, Kieran, does he have equity? Did he have equity? Was it was it was he fully salaried and an employee, or um, was, so was he also fully, an investor? Fully, uh, fully salaried employee. Um, Till now, which uh, or well, well, now none of us. I mean, now we're probably traded. So I mean, he could buy some shares as I could, mm-hmm. and we could we could own a piece of the company. But you know, that's not not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So he was a, um, just full-time salary. He's full-time salary now, now as, as am I, as, as we are, since mm-hmm. we sold the company. Mm-hmm. We're um, going to, we're going to get there. We're going to go there because what, yeah. one challenge for, 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 for listeners to, to, to listeners, I've had conversations in person and, you know, um, <clears throat> and, and, and on this show is, you know, a lot of people talk about content, about the, the importance of YouTube. We're going to also talk about how you guys sort of transition to TikTok, which is an amazing story in itself. But they, they're they always like, oh, I don't want to be the face of my brand. You know, what tips do you have um, to, to for, for, for listeners um, who want to take their content game a notch up? Um, they don't necessarily want to be the face of their brand, um, but how do they recruit the you know passionate people? Brandon left North Carolina. He he actually left. He 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 migrated from one state to another with his family, bec- probably because most likely because you know he loved what he was doing. He he saw this as a not just for the salary. He just he was passionate about about it. So so how do you find passionate faces of brands that are consistent? Because you know he could have essentially said, you know what, I'm just going to run my own show or I'm going to run my own YouTube channel or I'll continue running my own YouTube channel or how, how do you, you know, sort of get that formula right um, for, for longevity, for, for, for a 10, 20, even, you know, 30-year-old brand to, to, to really take it over over decades rather than just um, a one-off? Yeah, so, it, you know, there's not a, there's not an easy super exact formula that is that is super just you know copy and paste this formula and we're good to go mm-hmm. um you know finding finding the brand in is 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 very difficult right um you know part of it was 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 luck and timing in the sense that we had um you know a we didn't find him when we found the 30 people we were going to send the YouTube boxes to mm-hmm. he he was he was a paying customer um but to that point um, you know, with the community building, with with caring and listening to the customers, um, it's very unusual for a company our size to have literally all of leadership is accessible and taggable in the Facebook group, mm. which, you know, is 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 a is a gift and a curse. Um, I get my fair share of tags every day that are just not um not things I want to be tagged in or, you know, probably not even in my wheelhouse of like what my job description is and what I should be focused on. But, you know, I do my best to, to log in there and, and, and look at it. And, um, it's, it, it comes back to building that community. So because we were building that community, 
we we had people like Brandon that that saw this community as as something that attracted it to him, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, to your point earlier, you know, when the relationship was built and there was a a bigger opportunity of him to move his family down and come full time, obviously that's that's a little bit different, but it's all part of of that that core line and core infrastructure of building the community. So another quick example that kind of just illustrates and improves this point. Um, our head of customer experience, um, gentleman named Luke Bagley. Um, how we found Luke, um, and Luke does an amazing job, amazing team, cares so much for the customers. Um, he was a paying customer. And we had a uh we had the Battle Box forum, which predated the the Facebook group where this Reddit style board, we we offered at all times we have typically five to seven moderators. They were paying customers that, you know, they were we saw them jumping in and answering questions, basically playing the role um just on their own, right? Mm-hmm. Someone asks a question about shipping and they're quick to jump in and help them. And when we identify this, we offer them, hey, do you want to be a moderator? Basically keep doing what you're doing, be this ambassador, you know, help answer questions, do a little bit of the administrative side of the Reddit or Facebook group. And you turn your, you know, $170 a month box or receive it to you for free. Um, so because of the community, you know, it typically makes sense. And and that's how Luke came on. Luke was a paying customer. We saw him like really just helping customers and he knew the product arguably as well as we did, if not better. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wow, let's make this guy a moderator. Uh, Luke was a, a full-time, he was a, he was a nurse. Um, like that's, that's what he did every day. He went, went to, went to a hospital and um, he had this career, but you know, his, his, his fun time was this battle box community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there was a point where we needed a part-time customer service person. And we, you know, threw it out to the moderators. Hey, not sure if anybody's looking for a little bit of a side hustle, but, you know, like 10 hours a week, just helping us during our busy times with the customer service tickets. And, and Luke said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'd be willing to do that. And he did it and quickly realized like he was really good at this and he enjoyed it. And, you know, it quickly over a very short period of time, it was like, Hey, do you want a big ask, but like, do you want to stop being a nurse and, and kind of run our CS team? And it, he, he did, he did want to, and he, he made the, made the career change. And, um, you know, while one is customer facing, um, publicly and one's customer facing, you know, privately in, in DMs and email, um, I think both are very similar in the sense that when you focus on community building and building just a fun environment for people that you start, this is sometimes the fruits of the labor, Mm. right? You start seeing these opportunities that otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't present themselves, whether it's the face of your brand, whether it's um, someone to run your CS team or be a CS person, you start finding these, these natural fits that were there the whole time. But if you didn't get to know your customers, you would have never had the opportunity to see something standing right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, makes, makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. So, um, Brandon was doing YouTube videos for himself as a YouTube influencer to, in, in that respect, he started small, started to grow. 
How did you structure where he, you know, where he broadcasted? Did he broadcast from his channel still? Um, your channel at the moment is um, 560,000 subscribers on YouTube. You have about 750,000 subscribers on, on TikTok, which we'll talk about shortly. But with, with the YouTube, um, did he join your YouTube? Did he start to build your YouTube channel? Did you even have a YouTube channel when um, when, when, when Brandon was, was, um, was doing the unboxing, the monthly unboxing of that pan out? Yeah, so we had a YouTube channel because we were um, at, towards the end before he joined us full time. He would send us the video file after he posted on his channel, and we'd we'd upload it to ours. But we had very very minimal um, followers. I think when he came on, we might have had in the the ten thousand to fifteen thousand um, range, which was still decent, but not obviously nowhere in in the same category as today. The him him coming on um obviously the focus was the battle box channel right one of his main initiatives and and main you know KPIs was focus on growing this channel this this is an important channel um never told him hey you you can't post on your on your other channel um by all means if you want to post stuff on that you know go go for it like don't not try to build that channel obviously you know the your career, your, your, your new career, your, your salary, like is to grow this channel. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a balance, right? Like, I think, um, we, we, we have trust in him. We've always had trust in Brandon and we know, you know, he's going to spend the majority of his time building that, but you know, if he makes a video and wants to also post it on the other channel, um, you know, that's, that's okay too. As long as like, as long as it's abundantly clear where your focus is, um, you know, during the day while, while you're working, um, you know, what you do when you're not working, that's completely on you. And I don't think, um, it would be fair to expect such, but it is, it is a good question because it's a, it's a fine balance, right? Um, it's, you know, we don't want to be like, oh, Brandon, you're spending all your time on your own channel and not ours. Um, but, you know, Brandon was, uh, he's, he's a great team member and, you know, with our, our normal, you know, routine of meetings mm -hmm. and when we're discussing his strategy, you know, it's, he's, he, he cares. Yeah. He really cares about the brand. So he does, he does what's always best for the brand. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I'm asking, do you know, um, a YouTube influencer called Aaron Marino? I think he runs the, the channel called Alpha M. Yeah, he actually, uh, he lives, um, in Georgia as well. Okay. Um, don't I don't have a, a, a like a personal relationship with him, but he um I know of him. He I do have a personal relationship with some of his business partners. Mm -hmm. Um so they have, there's a there's a brand called Tish Hanley. Exactly. Um and uh, Kelly, I know Kelly Thornton. Yeah, so I I know I know Kelly very yeah. well. Yeah. Um I know that you know they brought him on kind of as as the face. Yeah. 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 It's 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 interesting. He he he's his was more an equity share. I don't really know what the deal structure is, but I do know he, he does have right. equity in, in Teach and he, he already had like a million followers or more on, on his original YouTube channel. So he's tasked, he's, he's managing two channels essentially. Um, but, but what's happening is um, his, his core fans from his 1 million plus, you know, subscriber, um, you know, base in his channel, you know, some of them have sort of trickled down to the Teach Handy, you know, um, websites. They, they seem to be doing really, really well. He was at our conference um, earlier on this year. 
Super, super interesting. So um, he grew it. So, so what was the correlation between like the growth of the YouTube channel? How, how did the YouTube channel grow? Um, and yeah, and, and, and how did that sort of um, impact on, on business? You know, what was, how's your, how have your um, acquisition channels evolved over time? Because, you know, you're telling me that TikTok is huge, you know, today, but, but um, I, I'm, I'm more curious to know from like 2016, you know, you, you said 2015, 2016, you know, you're buying, you know, um, you know, customers or new customers for about $5 through Facebook ads. How, how has that evolved over that um, seven year period to today um, from an acquisition standpoint? Um, so acquisition costs, it's been one of those charts uh, that are sometimes good to see, sometimes bad to see. In this case, bad. It's it's up and to the right. It's it's been just a constant, uh, you know, that beginning of the roller coaster ride. That's that's our acquisition costs. It's it's unfortunately gone up um, every year. That it, it's 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 not 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 as enjoyable as we would like. Now we do um, because of the organic reach, because of the constant. Um, new eyeballs we get via content and you know that that helps when you're looking at um, non-channel specific Mm -hmm. and you're just looking overall to the business like okay what is our acquisition cost based on new customers we got um, overall for the business and total ad spend CAC CAC is not um, customer acquisition cost is not that crazy it's so and it's a balance right like we need new customers because you always have to offset churn or you start going in the wrong direction. But at the same level, um, it's it's content and and that approach, the organic approach, is such a long game, right? It's the, the content piece is, is just like um, you know, traditional SEO, right? You're not doing it for that immediate, um, immediate benefit. It's such a long, long game, long play. And and that's that's what it is. To answer your question about the YouTube growth. So we were um, slow and steady, you know, adding 500 um, customers a month. Um, and, and that was, yeah, so 500 customers a month we were adding. From YouTube. You know, so on YouTube, okay. maybe 400, maybe 600, but 500 a month was pretty much our number. You know, I think currently we're we're down from our peak, but right now we're probably adding 1,500 a day. Um, do, do you mean subscribers or do you mean um, subscribers? Subscribers, uh, okay. YouTube, YouTube subscribers. Okay. So for for six years, five five and a half years, six years actually, we were we were adding five hundred five hundred a month. A month. Um, at this point, we're down from a peak, but we're at fifteen hundred a day. How how um, how did you make that leap from five hundred a month to over six years? And then you know, more recently, it's 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 insane. A thousand five hundred a day. Yeah, it, uh, that's incredible. So, so really, um, by it's a, it was a byproduct of of our focus on TikTok. So, mm. in in early two thousand one, um, so we had had a TikTok account pretty fairly quickly. Um, two thousand and twenty one. That's when we started working okay. on. It. So we we had a TikTok account with zero posts, registered to my email. Like I grabbed the username. Um, I, sometime during the pandemic, um, when we started to see that, you know, people were really spending time on this app and we didn't do anything with it. We didn't know how we were going to do anything with it. We, we, we 
our focus was was content and community, but all of our content was long form content, right? It was 20 minute videos. It was a three part series that were all 30 minute videos on on training on something or a deep product review, product testing, all long form, nothing short, nothing, nothing less than a minute, let let alone less than less than 10 or 15 seconds. Um, so we were really trying to wrap our head around it. Uh, February 2021, we hit this point where we were like, guys, we just let's just start attempting it. Like we can't just we can't keep talking about it and not doing anything like this. TikTok is going to be it's here to stay, at least for the short term. And honestly, in February 2021, I thought we were already we'd already missed it. Um, in reality, we we had missed it. Um, but we didn't, I felt like we had already missed it at the time and we just started, um, diving in. So I have a, I try to things like TikTok, um, things I'm not sure about where we make mistakes along the way. And there's lessons learned. I try to document some of it. I put it on a, a blog I have called online queso. Um, Mm -hmm. and I have maybe seven entries of from February, 2021 to now specifically talking about TikTok and YouTube. So it was trial and error, right? We were making videos. We were, one thing we knew, um, we, we weren't going to be doing the trending dances, right? That, that, <laughs> that was not on brand. That wasn't, that wasn't us. No one wants to see, um, a bunch of middle-aged dudes doing the, the TikTok dances that, that young girls are doing. That's not, that's not us. That's not, it's not the brand. It just doesn't make sense. But we, you know, we saw that there was so much other opportunity on there. There was a lot of other content. So we started testing things, trying to see what worked, um, testing everything from from length to um, to, you know, are we trying for explosions? Are we trying? Do we want music in the background? Do we want, um, you know, text to speech to text, little subtitles, testing everything, trying to find stuff that would work. Um, And, you know, we'd get a win here and there. And every time we got a win, maybe every six weeks, it, it changed the momentum a little bit. So, you know, before we were getting, we were happy if we got over a thousand views on a TikTok and then we hit a big TikTok, they got us 200,000 views. And then after that, you know, we were getting 2000 views on every TikTok. And, you know, if we didn't get 2000 views, we were upset. And then we got another hit and that time we got a million views on a video. Then after that, all of a sudden, you know, a good video for us, we expected 4,000. And every little hit, every time we got a, a home run on there, it upped the the trajectory and the overall reach. Um, you know, we last video that we did really well, I think we got 39, we have 39 million views on it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exponentially grown. And along that journey of going from, you know, a hundred, a hundred followers on there to a thousand, we got 10,000 to a hundred thousand. Um, at the end of 2021, we we're sitting around 220,000. Um, mm-hmm. we, we had set this goal of 300,000. We ended up hitting it the, the last minute with a good video, but around that time, end of last year, uh, we, we started hearing noise that, you know, TikTok success was bothering Google and Google had this very, you know, 
new product that wasn't getting momentum called YouTube Shorts, but the algorithm change, most recent algorithm change, they were they were treating YouTube Shorts like they were gold. So you were getting like this head start cheat code if you had a YouTube Short to the algorithm. They were just going to show it on more to more people, which meant you were going to get more engagement and more likes and maybe more followers. And mm-hmm. we said, well, for the past 10 months, we've been coming up with all this short content. So we have this, this library already of videos. We already mm-hmm. have some ones that are really, really good. Um, plus we're making new ones, you know, every week, like we can get a real head start on, on YouTube shorts and, and just dump, this, dump these videos and, and on there. And, and to be fair, there's no TikTok um, watermark, right? We're just, you know, we're producing the content and then uploading it to TikTok. So we would just be uploading it to YouTube. And, you know, December, it was it was a little bit of a learning phase. Um, you know, we were getting a little bit of success, but nothing crazy. And then January rolled around. We put some of our biggest hits from TikTok on YouTube uh, shorts. And we were, so end of last year, YouTube, we were at maybe 55,000, 56,000 followers. And all of a sudden we started seeing the same momentum, but arguably more of it on YouTube mm-hmm. for for the, the same content as TikTok. And both of them just instantly just went, you know, they were going slow and steady to the ride and up. They just went extreme. And, uh, you know, we went, we were at quickly over 100,000 YouTubers and then 200,000 and 300,000 and 400,000. And at the same time, TikTok's doing the same thing. Mm. So we 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 hit a couple home runs in a row on videos. And it was like clockwork. The same video that performed very, very well on TikTok performed very, very well on YouTube Shorts. Also performs very, very well on Instagram Reels. Instagram Reels doesn't have as much on the algorithm as much love for the short video content as mm-hmm. YouTube said, seems to want to give. But there's still a correlation. If it's good content for one channel, it's typically good content for all three. Yeah, it's humans. At the end of the day, you're you're right. You're, um, yeah, yeah, and and the the platforms know the target audience, right? So yeah, they fine tune it to the same cohort of of people. I was going to ask you the 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 Instagram Rails question: whether you know you saw similar success in the growth of your Instagram account? Um, did did you, or was it just the reach of the videos that that you saw you you, you noticed um started to to get an uptake? So, so it no, it has it. Instagram Reels has not performed the same. So we'll see, we'll see, you know, a successful video that does well on TikTok and YouTube Shorts. It'll do better than others on Instagram mm-hmm. Reels. And and there's clearly a correlation to your point of good video and humans are humans and we're all humans on these different platforms. So that makes sense. Um, but the follower count, uh, the mm-hmm. follower increase does not play that is is not the same. So we'll, we see growth on Instagram, but it's not at all in the same meaningful exponential growth. And we're doing the same thing on that channel. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, so, 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 so what, what is the formula for, for really, really good TikTok? What did you guys figure out that, 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 that turned, um, your, your TikTok game, you know, around? I mean, so, it was still, it was still, um, you know, um, Br- Br- Brandon Corrin, you know, um, who's, 
the the face of of your TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's still Brandon. Um, now we're still testing, right? It's a constant test. We're trying to figure out what's better. We have some amazing series that were um, ideas that we're going to start testing in, in the beginning of the year that we think could be bring us to the next level. Um, but we we found that it, it was a combination of of a few things that worked for us. Um, a lot of product testing, so just a very unusual, cool product that that appeals to a, a large, large amount of people um, in turn, which makes sense, would, would perform really well. So we have a, it's actually from, from our TV show, this little tool that you just keep it in your, um, in your, in your vehicle and has a couple of tools. One, this little like sharp thing where you can cut your seatbelt off. Um, like if you get stuck and then mm-hmm. it has at the edge, this little point where if you press it into your window, it literally springs it and will shatter, break the mm. window. So if you get stuck, this little tool you could keep in your glove box, wherever, it can basically get you out of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you, you know, got in a car crash and the car is bent or, you know, maybe something more extreme like you've, you know, not, you weren't paying attention. You you went off the road and you're in a, a lake or a pond or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so a product like that, because it appeals, you don't have to be an outdoor enthusiast to, to see the value of that product, right? Yeah. Um, so, so running a, a, obviously we want to feature products that, you know, are very niche, but then we also want to occasionally have that product that, you know, you don't have to, 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 to be, to be an outdoor enthusiast to to say, Hey, I want that product too. Um, Mm -hmm. so combination of that, um, showing, showing the human side to, to us, showing that we're humans, allowing people to, again, you know, playing on the community piece. Um, you know, at first, at the end of the day, we are a business, we are a brand, but by, by humanizing, um, ourselves and, and Brandon is showing, he's just, he's a guy just like me, just like you, like just, he's just a human being and, and showing that side, um, I think his value too. Um, you know, you and I were chatting before this, um, just about how the, um, the, the consumer, their, their buying patterns are, are evolving and changing. And I think, you know, consumers want to have a connection with the, the companies they spend their money with these days. Mm -hmm. They want to feel some sort of connection. So, so we're trying to, to, to provide that we're, we're trying to show that there's more than just this business that ships boxes out every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think that's very, very paramount and key and important. So on, on your main YouTube channel, uh, are you are you still sticking to, to to longer form videos or are you are you keeping them, you know, under 10 minutes? Um so so we do both. So we so we were always doing long form content. Um obviously the YouTube shorts and the TikTok and all that, we see the success there. It's it's two different um, two different things. So we still do um, the very long long form content of our mission, the box review each month, which is twenty five to thirty minutes. Um, and then we do every typically every Thursday we have a long form drop, whether it's product testing, um, some sort of situational training, something typically north of ten minutes um, each. So typically five five mm-hmm. pieces a month of long form. Um, mm-hmm. Now I will say 
what's worked out really in our favor is we'll take a lot of the long form content and we'll chop, 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 chop it. it up. Um, like our, our monthly what's in the box review that we've done, you know, Brandon was doing before he joined the team and we've been doing ever since every, every box we've ever sent has one of these 25, mm -hmm. 30 minute video. Um, we shoot it in a way where, you know, the, the, the edges can be, can be brought off, cropped down to a vertical form and it's perfect for a TikTok. So we'll get a ridiculous amount of, um, short, short form videos out of the long forms, which that way we're not having to, you know, work on, we're still shooting some stuff specifically for TikTok, YouTube shorts, IG reels. But if we're shooting the long form and we can also use that, it just, it allows us to run a lot faster. Mm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Speaking of long form content, you you go into Netflix. Um, that I don't think any guest on this show has um, has gotten their brand on on Netflix. You want to speak to to how you you got on? Was it called Southern Survival or um, the, the show on on Netflix? Um, how did did that transpire? Was it from your YouTube success? Um, really keen to find out. Yeah, yeah. So it's um quite a, quite an interesting thing that, that we were able to have that show because it, it has helped the business tremendously. The, we were reached out to, so let's see, aired in 2020, shot in 2019, which means 2018. Yeah. So 2017. Um, so Brandon, uh, has, has been on the team for, for a minute now has his bearings and, um, we get reached out to by a company called High Noon Entertainment, uh, production studio. If you've ever heard of Cake Boss or Fixer Upper, um, Fixer Upper, that, yes. So, so that's their two their two feathers in their hat of mm -hmm. of shows that they've done, and and worth worth noting, both of those shows have a a, a retail piece, um, a business associated with them as well, which mm -hmm. is which is interesting. So they reached out and they said, Hey, um, address to Brandon. Hey, you know, Brandon, love what you're doing. Um, we, you know, have, have some ideas of a, of a potential show we'd like to run by you. We, we all jumped on a call, um, with, with them and they kind of said the idea and the idea, the idea premise was pretty simple. We want to, you know, you guys test gear. Um, and determine if it goes in a battle box. Well, that's what we do anyway. This sounds perfect. Obviously, we'll spice it up for TV, but this sounds like a great, great opportunity for us. Um, obviously, they they want Brandon as the main focus, right? Brandon is um, clearly has uh, a stage presence, if you will, and and people identify with him. People like him. He brings a, a, a unusual but usual type of comedy. Um, to, to the mix, which, which people appreciate and connect with. So it made, it made sense. Um, he was working out of our southernmost, um, remote office mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there were four people in that office and, and, and said, Hey, well, you can come out. We're going to shoot a sizzle reel, which comes before a pilot. And that's that you can, everybody from that office can be, can be part of the show Four people. So four people on the show. They came, um, they shot it and, uh, they, they took it to history channel and 
History Channel sat on it for six or seven months, wouldn't tell us yes, wouldn't tell us no. Finally told us no. Um, you know, we were a little bummed out. They had gotten us excited, mm-hmm. rightfully so. They're like, no, don't worry. We're talking to Discovery Channel next week. We think it's a better fit for them anyway. They pitched it to Discovery Channel. Discovery Channel seems interested. Then it's the same thing. Six, seven months, um, you know, they tell us no. So at this point, it's been over a year of waiting for two rejections. We're not feeling great. They're like, well, you know, in January 2019, they're like, you know, we have a couple meetings this week. We're meeting with Walmart for their streaming service, um, which I think might be defunct now. I'm not I'm not sure. Um, but then Netflix for for them. Netflix meeting goes really well and they come back and they say, hey, Netflix wants this. You know, previously they were trying to shop and get money for a, the pilot mm-hmm. to then shop and try to get money for a full season. But, you know, Netflix doesn't play that game. Netflix is... Yes, we'll do a season and we want the right of refusal on the next seven. Because um, that's just how Netflix rolls. They kind of change right. changed that game. And yeah, so that was in January. In February, um, you know, we were sent, uh, early February, we were sent this 50-pager legal agreement from Netflix. Um, we, you know, our lawyer tells us, you know, I'm not an entertainment lawyer, like, this isn't really my wheelhouse. You need to find an entertainment lawyer. Um, we find one. We spend all this time. We're so excited. We redline the whole thing. We're feeling good. We email it back to Netflix. Um, they quickly respond very quickly and say, you know, we apologize for any misset expectations. Like, this isn't like an agreement to redline. This this is the agreement. This is it. <laughs> well, Take it or leave it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that didn't go as planned. Um, like, why do we Especially even get when you, when, when you know the clear loopholes and, and the, you know, when, when you know, you know, you can't on know, right? Right. <laughs> so. Um, so we were like, okay, I guess, I guess this, this is it. Um, Except it. Fame. Yeah. So we did. And, uh, you know, within uh, second half of, of 2019, we, we filmed, uh, they filmed for six months. It was um, very, very intense. Uh, you know, the the people that were on the show, it was it was hard because you still had a, a full-time job and capacity towards the actual business, which right. arguably is the priority. So it was a challenge. Six months of filming. They came back in January 2020. So, so, so you had you had you had Brandon. You had your head of customer service in the in the show. Maybe. Yeah, so we yeah, so we had Brandon, who face of our brand. We had Steve, who was the head of um, customer service for us at the time. We had Mickey, who was on the she was the procurement department, you know, putting the purchase orders in and the products mm-hmm. we want to order. And then we had Daniel, um, co-founder. So mm-hmm. the, and, and arguably Daniel came up with the idea of BattleBox initially. So it was mm-hmm. the four four of them on the show. The four people in this in this. Oh, what was the format of the show? What? But, but I'm I'm going to try and watch it late this weekend. But but what was the, what 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 was yeah what was the structure? Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. 
Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with a subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R. G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. I'm, I'm going to try and watch it late this weekend, but but what was the, what, what, what was, yeah, what was the structure? Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a, a theme um, mm-hmm. of, of each of the, the eight episodes of season one. So if the theme's fire, all of the products are fire related, right? Okay. Um, and it's literally um, not exactly how we do things by any means, but it's like, hey, we're trying to, we're looking at this theme and we need to test products to determine if those products can get our stamp of, you know, battle box stamp of approval to then go in a, a box to send to our customers. Okay. Um, okay. Now, a lot of the products we were testing on on the show would never end up in the in the box purely from a financial standpoint like we're not putting you know thousand dollar pieces of equipment in in we're not putting a flamethrower in the box um but you know making making tv sometimes you have to um make a tv yeah yeah so yeah um we finished we did a couple touch-up shoot shots in January 2020, and then um, it was crickets, crickets in February, crickets in March, crickets in April. In May, we were like, hey, like, any progress? Are we doing anything with the show? Is it going to air? And they're like, yeah, like, it's it's going to air. Uh, this is the title. Um, and we're thinking it's going to air, like, sometime, you know, later in the year. 
very little information, very frustrating, us trying to plan. Um, mm-hmm. And then again, then shortly after that, April, May, they said, okay, it's going to be in July. It's called Southern Survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're not allowed to talk about it, but stand by. We'll give you like some marketing materials and basically crickets again. And then like three weeks before launch, they were like, okay, we're launching in three weeks. Here's the marketing docs you can use. Only this. Um, but yeah, you know, not not the best experience from a business. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix is typically used to working with, especially with a Netflix original, you know, they it's talent. It's it's actors, actresses in their, in, in their viewpoint, mm-hmm. which it's just a completely different mindset from actually running a business and, like we're trying to forecast what this growth looks like. Yeah. Like I need to talk to I don't I need to talk to someone other than a talent manager. Nothing against yeah. talent manager, but I need to know the analytics of like what you're expecting. We we can then do some math on our end to say okay, well if they behave as X, the conversion rates gonna be Y. So we need Z many products, and uh, yeah. we couldn't get any support on that side. So we were just throwing darts. Hope well, that hope that we're right. Um, it's a little scary. And- what was the what was the net impact of 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 you know having the brand Battlebox on on Netflix? I I can only imagine it must have been insane. Do do, do you have any any stats on on Netflix? What what happened? Yeah, so so you know leading up to Netflix, um, we were getting probably about one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five thousand unique visitors a month. That was mm-hmm. average month for us. Um, so July 2020, when 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 Southern Survival launched, we had we had over 1.2 million unique visitors. So it was it was quite a quite a Same. you know sh- shot up, yeah, 10x. Um, and then August, you know, we still had a, a few hundred thousand. So it wasn't like a complete drop; just a slow slow um, you know fall back down. Now it it finally normalized, and it normalized at about 60 70 thousand more than than previous, mm-hmm. um, you know, so now we're in the, you know, mid two hundreds, uh, you, when you start putting in all the other stuff and, and, and honestly, we get to this day every month, a few hundred customers new into our subscription box product, um, that on the post-purchase survey, where did you first hear about us? It's, it's the TV show. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough again, because it's a streaming platform um, identifying that traffic outside of a post-purchase survey is tough because it's all yeah. direct traffic. It's Google organic. Sometimes it's Google paid, unfortunately, but um, it is what it is, right? They're not coming in. It's not like they can click the link in the in the Netflix app and it's going to tell us some UTM parameters of where they came from. So it's it's it, it's tough. You have to really just look at the direct traffic and the Google organic and kind of reverse into what the uplift is to determine this traffic yeah that, that's that's the only drawback what about the financials um so, so traffic was 10x did, did, did revenue 10x also um no i wish it did so so revenue did did increase we we saw um so we were doing some quick math um so we were doing probably about 16, about 15 million prior. Now, 2020 is a, a little bit of a, 
of yeah. anomaly, right? Um, COVID. Yeah, the COVID boost too. So it gets a little bit lost in the shuffle with that. Um, but if, if I had to, a, a, yeah, we're, so we were actually, I'm thinking we're probably about 14 million without that, without COVID in the show. And, and we mm-hmm. were, we were in the, we quickly got into the twenties, um, post, post, post TV show. Oh, not bad, not bad. It's, 25% increase in, in revenue, which was sustained, uh, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, the, the, the fact that it still sits on the platform, um, it's very long in the tooth and in, in, in the sense that we just, you know, every, every, every day there's, there's new people watching this show and discovering our brand that way. And then they come, mm. come into the ecosystem. So we've spoken about, um, you know, BattleBox, um, which in M&A parlance is your platform company. You know, you guys have acquired a number of brands, um, the the most prominent being Carnivore. Um, but but you've, you've, beyond Carnivore, you've, you've acquired, um, you know, I think you, you mentioned another brand, which was like a competitor to, to BattleBox. Um, so do you want to just run me down or run us down, run us through a summary of your, you know, M&A journey thus far. And then we'll talk about your acquisition because, you you know, your, your, your group was acquired um, um, quite recently. It was a, it was a big, um, you know, exit for, for you. But, but let, let's talk about your M&A. Why did you start to think, geez, we, we need to start acquiring, you know, um, other businesses and, and attach it to its battles. Many founders just stick with their passion project, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it wasn't, I, I wish I had a better story to say, hey, it was because we knew we had to go this way and this way. So, you know, I mentioned one of the initial um, things when I when I came on was that I was very transparent with everybody. I want to document this because I want to stamp this out and, and see if we can replicate it. So um, quickly in, in, in about a, a year's time less, we, we had launched two additional subscription box products. We launched one called Barbecue Box, bbqbox.com, mm-hmm. which was uh, basically everything but the the actual protein. So sauces, seasonings, uh, wood products, recipes, uh, snack, everything for bar- traditional growing, barbecuing. And mm-hmm. then we launched uh, Spartan Carton, which was a monthly uh, subscription for like supplements and uh, proteins and, and workout gear, very fitness related. Mm-hmm. And we launched both of those. We ended up um, selling both of them to to a company. And, you know, they, we didn't grow them as large as we thought we could have. And we just, we, we didn't think that they were, they, they had the scale that we were hoping they did. So we sold them What both. did you sell for? Um, very, so both were, were uh, less than seven figure revenue. Okay. So a, it was a few hundred thousand okay. uh, to, you know, nothing, nothing super, super notable. What kind of revenues were they doing um, at the time you sold them? So barbecue box was doing, I think about 400,000 in top line. Spartan Carden was maybe doing 200,000, okay. um, maybe 250. So um, you know, we, we didn't see a path towards easily getting them over seven figures. We were missing something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, 
through our network, found a company that was willing to buy them, um, you know, pay us a, a, a you know, a, a multiplier off EBITDA and it was greater. I think we agreed it was like three and a half X. Mm-hmm. And for us, it just made sense. We were going to get profit three and a half years. We were putting all the profit back in anyway. So yeah. it was, it was a nice payday to move on and, and, and focus. Um, the company that bought them both, um, they were trying to do this uh, e-commerce roll-up and they were called Guy Commerce at the time. And their flagship brand uh, was Carnivore Club. And that was, you know, a Toronto-based company built in 2013. They were on Dragon's Den, got a deal, um, really big gifting, um, some great content, liked a, a lot of what they did. And that was their flagship. And they then decided they wanted, didn't want to do that anymore. And they sold all their smaller brands to, to um, this one person that was trying to do the same thing. Um, so they sold the two companies. We sold them, sold to somebody else. And all they had left was Carnivore Club. And they said to us, you know, we're going to sell all of these small brands to these guys. Do you want to buy Carnivore Club? And we came up to a deal with a deal that that made sense. Um, so so we we brought on Carnivore Club. What's the deal structure for Carnivore Club? Oh, I I I I want to tell you, but I I think Tim Tim Ray, a friend of mine, the guy that sold it to me. Um, I don't think he'd appreciate if I if I told him the structure. It was a it was a very good deal. Um, we had a we. We had it paid off in in a very very short period of time. Now, granted, twenty nineteen we hit COVID, so meat delivered to your house. It's good um, timing, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. It was good it, timing, right? We timed it, so the the business grew very very quickly, and because right. of that, we were able to pay what, off. What do you think you did well to to really grow besides COVID? What did you do? What, what other operational efficiencies did you put in place? And you know, marketing growth strategy did you put in place to, to really let it grow and allow you pay off? Sure. Your, um, so, so the, it's a really good question. And, and there's two parts to it. One, um, it, it, it was our team. So, you know, we have, you know, the one guy that was focused on email um, mm. and he was spending a lot of time on email. Now, all of a sudden we realize, well, for very short little additional effort, using the same strategies, we can test the same type of email over here, right? And it's, yeah. there's not much overlap between the two. Um, so it's, it's not like someone's going to see the, the similarities. And um, so it was, it was a lot of that, right? It, adding the additional business with the exception of like the procurement side, it, it wasn't a, a massive lift. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's how we were able to run so fast and and see the success. In addition to the people, the team, um, you know, we have this this tech stack, right? This marketing tech, this backend stack, this this everything that is our tech stack, and it's 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 there because we've tested it, we've tried other vendors, we've tried other products. We we know that this is our wheelhouse, and all these products. We know how to leverage them best. We're most comfortable with these platforms. Um, so replicating that, right? Mm-hmm. And for and for management, we needed everybody, everything on both. Everything mm-hmm. to be using the, the, the same core infrastructure because otherwise 
you know, working on it. If if you're in Clavio and over here and MailChimp over here, you know, you have to know both platforms and it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So I think I think the team and then obviously the tech stack is is mm. is the the benefit. You know, one of the the big benefits is so we took on the Carnivore Club team into our team and we saw synergies on, on both sides. So we had um I'll use give you an example, Curtis, who so Curtis was running Amazon for all of the brands, all the smaller brands they had, and then right. the Carnivore Club, he was running Amazon for him and he had just lost the smaller brands right before they sold to us. And Battlebox was has an Amazon presence. We we're paying an agency, paying an agency 10% of 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 revenue for them to run it. Hmm. So expensive. And all of a sudden, Curtis, we have a we have a full-time team member that can just take that over. So there was instant cost savings on the flip side of that hmm. because we were no longer having to pay the agency. So day one, we have an awesome cost savings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then there's the the cost savings piece, right? So now we have more top line revenue. We can go back to our credit card processor, say, hey, we have more revenue. We need the same deal. We want it for both. Give us an umbrella package, shipping rates, um, suspects like that. You can say, um, and even some platforms. Hey, we have two brands now. Yeah. You know, give us, please give us a discount. Yeah, yeah. Happens a lot with Shopify Plus. Yeah. Did you share customer data? Across band, we did not. Okay. Um, okay. So, so all the brands are ran completely independent. Um, we we don't share data. Now, we will, you know, at in is a BattleBox customer. You know, we have some flows set up where if 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 we feel that you are not going to buy from BattleBox, mm-hmm. we might serve serve up an email to the BattleBox group. Say, hey, you know, we realize you haven't bought from us. We've been sending emails for six months now. Um, have you heard of Carnivore Club? Okay. Um, so we'll we'll do that. We'll we'll occasionally highlight um, highlight a brand um, for each other, but the data, all the data, is completely siloed. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense, and then it's it's a pure opt-in, really, to to transition. Okay, makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. Um, I was going to talk about. So two things I want to talk about before we, we, we leave is your your team structure, you know, what makes a, a rock solid team in, in your opinion um, for a brand, you know, um, you know, churning over $25 million in revenue. Um, there's clearly a content piece, that acquisition, that spokesperson, which we could see in the in the form of, of Brandon. But what happens behind the scenes? You know, what should you have? What, what does your marketing, you know, team look like? Your operations team look like? What, what's, your, what, what's been your team size at? Speaking specifically to to battle box because I don't want to complicate things with um with Carnivore Club. Sure. Um so so our team size is a, a little bit larger than than most, but it's because all of our warehouse fulfillment is all done in-house. So okay. we we don't we don't have a 3PL. So because of that, the majority of, of our employees are in, in our actual physical yeah, warehouse. That's the thing with subscription businesses. Most subscription businesses don't really lend themselves well to um, to 3PLs. The complexity there in, you know, that novelty on a monthly basis with new products, you know, you're, you're shipping, right? Yeah. And, you know, if, if stuff gets in late, the additional fees, like quickly the economics mm-hmm. aren't there either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. So, so outside of that, when you look at our, our core team, um, so we do, 
so we do have a, uh, the usual suspects um, on the on the C suite. Uh, we have a controller, um, which which I think is is paramount for us to have. Uh, we have a procurement manager um, who's who leads leads the charge on on products. Um, jumping jumping into the, the the marketing side, so we have um, Brandon Curran who face of the brand, he focuses on content. Um, then we have Walter and and Walter focuses on the other sides of marketing, right? The traditional digital marketing. Um, so, you know, we have an advertisement agency that 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 he manages. We have an affiliate agency that he manages. So we outsource both of those. Um, email is done in-house um, on Walter's team. Um, uh, her name's Megan. She's marketing a marketing coordinator. So she's focused on the influencer relationships, the ambassador relationships. Mm-hmm. She helps a lot with email. Um, we have Mark. Mark is a social media manager. So he's managing the social media channels, scheduling, um, you know, scheduling posts, creating um, basic content um, for, you know, like Im- uh, image still, still content and mm-hmm. some, some videos occasionally. So scheduling all of that, um, we then have on the customer service team, we have, we have Luke who was a customer that then came. So he runs customer mm-hmm. experience. He has a team of three, um, mm-hmm. that are, that are traditional CS agents. We have, um, we have Patrick who is, uh, Patrick's on his team as well. He's a, uh, phone sales guy. So. Mm-hmm. We, we have win back campaigns. So when a customer churns from us, um, they get into, put into a couple email flows and eventually they get, Patrick gets them and he picks up the phone to call them and try to, you know, win them back. Mm-hmm. And um, so then we have uh, Curtis on the uh, indirect sales side. So Curtis focuses on our Amazon sales, our eBay sales, um, the tundras of the world, any wholesale channels, anything mm-hmm. non-direct-to-consumer website, those are those are his sales channels. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, Interesting. How do you scale a subscription business with um, ever-changing SKUs on, on Amazon or eBay? How, how do you, or do, do, is it just direct? Do you just sell direct there? Um, like it's a, just the SKUs? Or, it, it's such a challenge. Oh, um, I, how could I forget on the last thing? Jay, Jay, our video editor. Uh, okay. Who important? Very, very, very important. Yeah. Um, he's complete rock star. Um, does but, he shoot also? Does he? Is it behind the camera or does he do post production exclusively? No. So, 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 Brandon. Um, up until twenty twenty one, Brandon was farm to table himself. He shot. Okay. He was the face. And he did the editing. He literally was a one-man show completely for, for five years. <laughs> um, and then when when we really said we're doubling down on content, we need this TikTok piece to work. We need to to grow this. Um, part, part of that was there wasn't enough bandwidth. So we said, okay, well, let's get you a video editor. And then you just have to worry about, you know, filming and the content and, and toss it to Jay and, and Jay, Jay can handle the rest, which allowed us to just get our input out. We're 
actually in the process of of hopefully finding another video editor support to support Jay so that yeah. we can pop out even even more content. Um, yeah. Back, so back to your question. So the Amazons and the Ebays of the world, it's a challenge for us because, um, and it's something we don't do a very good job of and we need to, it's, it's on our initiatives for 2023 to, to do better at. Um, so you're, to your point, so we're the subscription box. So, you know, we might be putting a, a product in and we know it's going to do really well. So we're like, okay, well, we're going to order 3,000 extra of that because we know it's going to sell well on our site, on Amazon, on eBay. So we put it on Amazon and, you know, it's great sales momentum, great sales velocity. And now we're about to run out and we're not going, ordering another 3,000, we can't get the price point we need for it to make sense from an economic standpoint. And we can't put in the, we're not putting in the giant order to get the price point down. So like we're in a really weird spot where eventually it just dies out. Um, Mm -hmm which is like the worst thing you want to ever do. Amazon, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that because of that, it's a very whack-a-mole it's system and it's not it's not the right way to do it. So we're, we're going to try to find um, and identify kind of like these, these core flagship products we should just always have um, evergreen. So anything yeah. that, that we know will have the velocity. So that's part of our, our focus of next year. The issue with that's obviously very cost um, is co- yeah. cost prohibitive because we're constantly having to put our money back out for future products. Um, but we've got to yeah. figure it out. Yeah, there's some financial products, inventory finance products that you could, you know, um, you could lend yourself to. There's one called Tread, which would give you about 90 days. Um, I think it's 1% a month. Um, and yeah, and, and then you, you just, you, they pay the invoice for you to your suppliers and, you know, you, you get going and that just frees up cash flow and buys you time. Yeah. 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 And one, 1% is super, super fair. It's, it's fair. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think they work on, on a base rate. Sure. So, um, your deal, the deal, why did you sell or did you think it was good timing? Um, this has certainly been a passion project, you know, for your team. It's not been an individual, you know, um, effort at all. Um, you right. know, three co-founders, um, a spokesperson, Brandon's been amazing um, on the outside. Um, uh, what was the feeling like? Who did you sell to? Do you, do you mind briefly talking about um, the, the exit? Sure. Um, so we were, we were at an interesting crossroads. Um, so the, the, the three co-founders, um, so Daniel, Patrick, and myself, um, Daniel was, was ready to be done. He was ready to retire. Um, he, he didn't, he, you know, maybe lost the, the passion that he, that he once had and, and, and Patrick and myself still had it. We wanted to continue. We wanted to take BattleBox to the, the the next step, the next chapter. So you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a conundrum there. Um, so we have uh, two options, right? We can figure out how to how to um, purchase Daniel out, and um, you know, buy the business back, uh, buy buy the business where it just becomes the two of us, or or we can you know take a little bit of money off the table, or take money off the table and and find a buyer. Um, looking at, at, at the first option, the reality is, you know, we all have this, this, this multiplier, um, you know, but whether it's five, six, seven X that, that we want off EBITDA and, 
you know, if, if the business stays the same size, that means it's five or six or seven years payback. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're looking at the, okay, Patrick and myself, you know, give Daniel what we've all agreed is a fair price. Like if we don't grow it, this grow it and it stays the same size, then man, it's going to, it's going to take five or six or seven years to pay this back. And, you know, we're probably having to personally guarantee it and it starts to become kind of scary, right? Like we built mm -hmm. this, but like, is it worth this to us? Um, and, and we weren't really sure. And then the alternative is, is we're all going to get paid. And, um, you know, this is potentially the end, but maybe we find a partner that we really like. And, you know, so we went through the process of, of putting this on the market and we had a few offers and, um, you know, the first offer, second offer we got was the largest offer, uh, from a monetary standpoint. Uh, it was a private equity firm, but they were, and and I I love that they were very honest, very transparent, black and white on um, what they wanted to do. And it quickly became clear that our team did not have a lot of uh, job security moving forward, right? If they had someone that worked on email or they had someone that, that did the books, like they don't need our guy. Yeah. And <laughs> it just wasn't, it, it wasn't a warm feeling at all is like, this is cold. This is, this isn't what we, this isn't our culture, right? Like we all care. Right. We're all passionate. Like we all, like it, we we're all friends. We're work friends. And, uh, we weren't comfortable doing that. Now we did take that offer. And, and, um, at the same time we were talking to emerge who ended up acquiring us and, mm -hmm. uh, emerge just really shared this vision. Um, something that was, that was attractive was their model was, all of these acquisitions were going to be ran as independent business units. So nothing fundamentally was going to be changed, but there was going to be buying power and best practices and stuff that could be shared, maybe mm -hmm. physical warehouses that could be shared as they stacked up more companies. And so of course we took the, the great offer from the private equity firm and showed it to emerge because we identified that we thought that they were the closest thing to a partner so we're like, hey, well, these guys are offering us this. So can you get a little bit closer? Um, and ultimately, we came up to a deal with them. Um, deal at high level. Um, the deal is up up to $19, $19 million. So there was a, $11 million um, US that was was paid up front. Um, in no no uh, no stock. It was pure just pure just cash. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was around 2 million that is um, guaranteed deferred revenue to us, just guaranteed over- For, for over how long, sir? It's over a, a three-year term. Okay. Um, and then, so that that's 2 million. So that takes us to 13 and the other six. six. Actually, yeah, um, five and a half, six, but the total number was, was 19, um, is a bonus or not, not guaranteed. We have to hit certain growth- um, growth goals and um, it, it broke it into three uh, yearly, completely independent um, buckets. So, you know, they got, got some great money up front, but now mm -hmm. we have a decent amount of money that we can earn um, by by staying focused. So you're retained as a CEO. You're still retained as CEO of, of, of Battlebox, right? That's what your LinkedIn profile shows. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so do you have a salary as a CEO? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah. So I have a, a, 
a salary. They think it's a lot. I think it could be more, but we've, <laughs> we've, we've agreed on it. Um, and yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a battle box. The entity that existed before still pays it. Mm-hmm. Uh, our health okay, benefit fair enough. still yeah. with battle box. Um, okay. so we're, in, we're in control of that, which is, which is great. But yeah, it was a, they obviously, we renegotiated what the salary would be. So, so what kind of growth targets have you been 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 tasked to, to to grow over the next three years? So, you know, they looked a little conservative, and we were super, super, super confident in them because they were um, low double digit growth. So we're talking okay. fifteen, you know, twenty percent, super, super attainable. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, of course, we did sell at you know, coming before the pandemic started to bring e-commerce down a little bit. And, you know, there's, there's obviously some, you know, the pandemic is, was not the, it was, that was the 2025 numbers, right? So like, yep. you don't stay at 2025 when the pandemic ends, you, you know, you look at 2019 and everybody's more like for like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's just a l- weird little blip on the radar that was, COVID, we're still going, you know, up and to the right. But um, when you take when you take the pandemic and the Netflix show as the baseline, it does it does make the the growth a little bit a little bit challenging. Yeah. You need another Netflix show. To, We've got to figure it out. That's yeah, really what we get. Yeah, yeah. You, you need um, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes makes a lot of sense. Thanks for for, for sharing that. Um, another question I I had was um, so how long was the was the deal the transaction how was it, how, how long did it take to to close on the oh, deal? Man, it it took so long. So <laughs> we we um spoke with the guys that emerged in February. We had a, had a deal, but we the LOI was officially signed end of March, um, beginning of April. Okay, and um, I think the the initial plan close date was July. So it was, it was, uh, um, six, 60, 60, 75 days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know what we didn't know. And, you know, we thought we were doing a great job with the financials, but when they get audited, um, it, you know, we were doing so, so many things that we didn't even know were wrong. Um, so, one of, one of the things, uh, deferred revenue, right? So we have this big renewal on the 15th of the month, but we don't ship that actual product until the following month in the beginning. So we were, you know, November 15th, big renewal day for us. We were counting that as November revenue. Well, that's December revenue. Um, mm. So like little nuances like that. Um, and then just, you know, normalizing books and then digging into everything. And maybe we were, um, categorizing something incorrectly. Um, so the audit is what took so much time. So we didn't end up okay. closing until, so, until October. So, so they had their financial auditors really, you know, um, re, rewrite your your financial statements, essentially. Really yeah. Get so to we, the single source of truth on there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So so end of March, beginning of April, LOI signed. We didn't close until um, the beginning of October. October, wow. And, and April to yeah, October. The, the audit was the big check. So we had to find an auditor. Um, oh, you did that. That was your 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 task. Yeah. Oh. So we had, we had to do that, and then once we did that, we then there was something called a quality of earnings. So the entire valuation was based off of a multiplier of audited EBITDA. Right. Right. So, so, so what, what what multiple did you sell at? So we sold at we sold at a six x. 
six S six X a bit down. Six X even. Yeah. Um, so we had to do our auditors, but then once we got done, which took months, they had, um, almost like a light audit where it's called, it was called a, uh, quality of earnings audit. We're there then looking at the numbers, the audited numbers, also looking at growth. So it's, it was a process. If, if there was one thing I wish we would have done is we would have, if we, knowing that we were going to possibly be for sale, expensive as it may be, having audited financials, I think yeah. would have been Two very prior. Yeah. 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 And it just saved you time. I mean, six yeah. months, waiting for six months from, from an LOI to, to a close six, seven months is not, yeah, it just feels like forever, really. Yeah. Like um, nothing slow more. Exactly. Right. So really, really interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff. So when you put in a market, did you work with like an agent with, 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 um, with an agency who, who helped you with a broker? Sorry. Um, was it, was he through a broker? Did you put up in a marketplace? Did you go with a specialist? Did you, was it hush hush or? So, so it's funny. It, so Tim Ray, the guy that we sold barbecue box Spartan Carton to mm-hmm. that sold us Carnivore Club. I was talking to him and he said, Hey, I used um, this, you know, I told him we, we were going to be selling and he's like, well, I used this broker on this deal before Carnival Club, if you want to look at him. His name was Tim too. Talked to him, you know, really hit it off, kind of gave him the financials. We didn't sign anything, but like, we're just chatting. He's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I have a few, comp- uh, you know, he's a broker. I have, you know, a bunch of companies in my network I can reach out to. He starts reaching out to people. Meanwhile, Richard, our CFO, um, goes through a more formal process and, um, we go with a, a, I think a website closers.com, just mm-hmm. a, a broker, you know, I know them. Yeah. okay. Um, so he goes through that process and they then send over the agreements and exclusivity. And we're like, well, I have this Tim guy working these deals. So we say, okay, Tim's reached out to these 40 people. There's an exclusion list. If these 40 come through, you know, Tim, it's Tim and not website. Tim's deal. Yeah. And, and they agreed to it. So we were good with it. And, uh, website closers brought us a lot of calls that private equity offer was from them. But, um, Tim, one of the 40 he reached out to was, was a merge and, and, and he got the deal, which is, you know, it's cool to see the little guy win sometimes. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So he got it. So we did both, both, um, I website closures, they were, they were great to work with. Obviously they they didn't get the Mm. deal, but respect their, their process. And, um, they definitely put it in front of a lot of people because we had a lot of, a lot of phone calls um, from their efforts. Yeah. Makes, makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, you, I can't not talk about, um, the hoodie you're rocking, um, recharge. Um, we're talking subscriptions. They're actually a sponsor of this, this podcast of the two X e-commerce podcast. Um, you you mentioned your stack. What does your stack look like? Your your and I mean your tech stack. Um, your tried and tested, battle ready, pardon the pun pun unintended. Um, you know tech stack. What what does your tech stack look like? Sure. Um, so I'm gonna I'm just so I don't miss anything important. I we have a okay. tech stack document. I'm gonna pull up really quick. Um, but on the recharge side, uh, yeah. So. Recharge, we've we've been with them for um coming on, we've been four years, coming on five years. So mm-hmm. quite quite a while. They uh 
you know, what we love about them is, is the open API, right? So our mm-hmm. development team can really build what we want to actually have exactly. And, yeah. and it's, they're fun to work with. It's a really, really, really great team. Um, you know, as they've grown, we've grown and it's, they're not a vendor. Like they funk, they're a, it's a true partnership, right? Like they care about us succeeding and, and we care about them. So it's kind of cool to see. So on, you know, the front end stack is Shopify plus and, and recharge. Okay. Um, you know, we, we then go, so we have a mo for, for Battlebox, we have a mobile app, an iOS and an Android app. Okay. 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 Is it natively built or did you, is it latched on on a platform? Um, so it was natively built. Um, wow. Okay. The, now we, we do utilize one signal, um, mm. for, for, okay. for a portion of notifications. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so from a mobile app, uh, app stack, we're using Shopify's mobile SDK. We're using mm-hmm. recharges API and then we're using one signal, um, on the marketing tech, uh, Wonderkin, we're really big on, um, we're using Northbeam. We actually mm-hmm. we were with Trustpilot and we just recently switched to Northbeam, mm-hmm. um, Clavier, uh, Clavio, sorry, Zapier, Clickly, Instapage. Um, we use Yapo for some stuff. I'm not. The biggest. Why, why do people take a sigh when when they mention Yopto? You, you. I'm not alone, right? <laughs> You're not alone. So, so it's, a it's, it's, it's a very. It's just that they're they're so they gobbled up a bunch of companies and, um, it's the SaaS model where they get you in, they they try to get you into a couple different, um, uh, buckets, and then they're going to raise the price, yeah. and it's like clockwork every year. Oh, you know, it's time to renegotiate, but we're not going to give you a better deal. It's now 40% more. Yeah. Um, and it it they and the the bigger, the more the stickier you are because of what you're using them for, the bigger that increase is. It's I just don't get a, a warm and fuzzy. Um, yeah. which is a shame because they have they do have some 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 decent products. Yeah. Um so on the on the back end, we're using Gorgeous for our our CS. Uh, Cloudflare, we use G Suite, Google Suite, uh, Avalara, ShipStation. We use Finale for inventory. That's that's pretty much it. We um. What's your WMS? What's that? Your warehouse management system. So we just have the the inventory management system. We don't have a okay. warehouse management system. So okay. it's it's Finale inventory. Okay, Finale. Okay, we'll we'll link up to 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 to, to that stack. Um, you know, moving forward. Okay. Um. You've been, John, you've been like super, super, super helpful. I think I may split, you know, this show, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But before I, I let you go, we have these evergreen rapid questions where I ask, um, you know, founders, if you could, I'm going to ask you about six or seven questions. If you could use a single sent, sentence to answer each of the questions, it'd be Brillo. Sure. Okay. Um, are you a morning person? I am not, but I force myself to be. Okay, so what's your daily morning routine like? So I wake up every morning, um, 6 a.m. And okay. I'm, I used to, honestly, before BattleBox, I woke up every morning at 4.30. Um, and I start, start waking up at 6, so I'm in front of the computer, catching up on email. I'd say 6 to 9 a.m. is my most efficient time because no mm-hmm. one else is up up yet and, and rocking and rolling. So I'm, all those tasks that have been on my 
to-do list for days, the the harder stuff that takes time, I'm able to knock everything out um, in the in the morning. So I'm not a morning person by okay. any means. I have to set three alarms to to get up, but get I, it works. Are you in sports? I am not. Okay, I, 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 yeah, I, I wish I were. I don't, I need to prioritize time and I don't. Um, um, nine sports. Time. What's what two things can't you live without? An energy drink every morning. Not very healthy, but <laughs> I I have one every morning. Um, I don't drink coffee. Okay, there's, um, there's this one here. I'm drinking now. It's called Tezing. It's how is it? Natural energy, purely from plants. It, it gives me it, it gives me staying power. Um, without a drop like coffee. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, I think it lasts for about 90 minutes and that's it, really. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, I'd say energy drink and um good food. Good food, yeah. I'm with you. Amen to that. What book are you currently reading or listening to? Um, so right now I'm I'm not. I'm 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 the the content I'm ingesting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I spoke before this podcast about you know, the content and community and how the the Mr. Beast of the world, how they're mm-hmm. reverse engineering and ending up with these businesses that are that are huge because of that. Um, you know, I, I'm typically not uh, going to be a listener. I'm not the demographic for Mr. Beast. Um, you know, I'm probably a, a, a little bit older past past the sweet spot. Um, but I'm 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 listening to to the Mr. Beast of the world. Um, um, I'm and then there's there's dozens like this. Um, he's obviously a great example. But I'm trying to understand all all these all these content creators that have now, you know, snuck into the business world. I'm listening to their content. I'm listening to their podcasts. I'm trying to understand their mindset a little bit more because we both ended up in the same place. Um, obviously, not quite the same place, but in the in this business world. But we did the brand and then content and community. Mm-hmm. They did content and community and then the brand. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to better understand. So right now I'm just ingesting as much content from from content creators to really understand how we, how we can do better because, you know, naturally we're not going to be looking at the equation the same way they are. No, you're not because most of them are, <clears throat> they're entertainers, right? And yeah. entertainment is very broad and um, addictive, um, and you tend to stick with the entertainer, with your entertainer, but you you guys are a niche and um, you serve a purpose and there's a certain sort of persona um, that would, you know, although you did mention the car thing, which which I think I, I, I will buy, um, the um, the seatbelt cutter and, you know, the, 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 the glass breaker, that, that is amazing. Okay, final question is, what has been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's given you the biggest feedback. Um, so the biggest mistake to date. Um, the best, 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 best mistake. Best yeah. mistake to date comes to me right away. Um, it's not, I, I can't give you a one sentence on it. So we were, February 2015, we were, um, 99% of our traffic was Facebook, right? Like <laughs> that we were running Facebook ads and, um, that that was our number one lead source by by a lot, and uh, Labor Day of that year, we're planning uh, to have this this ra- this wild three day sale 
We have all the creatives. We've, we're going live Friday with all the ads. This is going to be our biggest weekend we've ever had with certainty, not even 100% confidence. And uh, Friday at like five o'clock, all of our ads and our ad account all get turned off, deleted, canceled. You are off of Facebook. And um, that's where we were acquiring 100% of our customers. We were getting some organic customers from, from, you know, Brandon and YouTube, but mm -hmm. like with advertising dollars, the lion's share was coming from Facebook. Mm -hmm. And we went from these great days we were having to basically nothing, um, over the weekend. And it was a long story short, we got, we couldn't get a hold of anybody talking to someone at Facebook. Good luck. Right. Um, and we got lucky and one of our customers worked for Facebook worked in a department that sat next to the um, auditing uh, team. And like, and this is when we had the bulletin board was like, yeah, I'm going to walk over there and see what I can do. And within a couple hours, we were back on. That's um, incredible. Pure, pure luck um, because we were talking to our community. And um, that was the best mistake because at that point, we got back up and running, but we said we will never ever, ever be this dependent on a single platform. Um, it's just that it's not good business to have all of our eggs in one basket. So we immediately, it, we, we weren't advertising on Google at the time. We weren't trying anything else. Um, but we quickly, quickly, quickly diversified and we stay, we stay diversified. Um, we don't want anything to be too much of a um, pull for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, things obviously will have a, success somewhere and scale it up. And it might take a lion's share for a short period of time, but mm -hmm. we don't want that to ever be the sustainable model. Mm -hmm. John, thank you so much for giving us your time, um, your your advice, your experience. Um, it's, it's been an amazing, amazing conversation. For those who want to find out more about BattleBox, it's battlebox.com without an E. Correct. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, are you active yourself? I've, I've followed you just now on your Twitter, your Instagram, and I believe your LinkedIn. I've sent you a connection request, but are you actively sort of, um, you know, building an audience on any platform? Would, would, would you like listeners to, to join you on any platform and which would it be? Yeah, so um, I, I'm horrible at Twitter. I just can't, I've never been able to kind of dedicate the time needed to do Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. I, am, I am active, very active on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll toss you the URL. You just yeah. connect with me. Um, give John a follow for sure on LinkedIn. Yeah. So LinkedIn, I'm very active. Um, I have a blog online queso.com yeah, found where, yeah. where, um, you know, a lot of the things we chatted about today, I've kind of written about it as we were going through it, lesson learned mistakes we make. Um, so it's, it's a very, uh, unfiltered just view behind, you know, some of the things we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen some familiar faces on there. John, we could go on and on and on. Um, you're you're an incredible soul. You've built, um, you know, a very, very meaningful, substantial business with with the right heart, you know how to say. So, um, you know, thank you for coming on the 2X e-commerce podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. This was this was so much fun. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. 
Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.